Hello and welcome to the Turtle Tracks Podcast. This is your host, Brian Van Hooker, and I'm here with Sean Lee, who has lettered hundreds, thousands? I mean, how many issues of Ninja Turtles have you lettered now? Because it's a uh, lot. Yeah, it's probably about 140 at least. But that's not counting the miniseries and stuff like that. Yeah. So you've been the letter on the IDW Turtles run since issue two, correct? Yeah. I think I did like some edits on issue one too. I'm just kind of uncredited. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think Robbie edit, uh, Robbie lettered it, and then I think I uh, helped out on the correction end. Oh, cool. Uh, I guess to get started, I would love to hear before you get uh, we get into this. Were you somebody who like knew a lot about turtles before getting involved in the uh, the franchise? Um, like most things, like I I know enough to impress the layman <laughs> i know enough to someone that doesn't know much sure. <laughs> uh, but like uh i'm looking at your background and if we started getting too deep in the weeds you would just be like uh look at this poser <laughs> <laughs> did you like grow up with it at all or anything like that or no that wasn't like yeah your... uh yeah i got uh turtles number five when i was a kid it was a second printing of it um okay. So that's the one with the uh, Fugitoid and uh, the Triceratons and stuff like that. So that was that was a big deal. I remember like just trying to draw all that stuff when I was a kid. It's um, funny, like looking back, like how quickly that old series got into like craziness. Like issue five. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. Like, in really another fun. dimension. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am sad to see that the like that triangle triceraton gun has not reemerged, at least not that I've noticed with like the three. Oh, I know the one. Yeah, puzzles, yeah. <laughs> I think I've got a couple of little mini ones around here somewhere, but I know exactly what you're talking about. So, but yeah, so then you know the ca- the cartoon came out, you know, a little while after, and like all the toys and stuff, they were all rad. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah, I've been around, but not not like an extreme hardcore guy either. Gotcha. What uh, I, I guess um, how'd you find your way into uh, comics and specifically lettering? Uh, well, I was in uh, <laughs> I had like a cup of coffee and advertising back in Detroit, um, and then it was two thousand eight, so I got laid off just like everyone else in uh, <laughs> in America. Yeah. Uh, my wife got into grad school a little while after, um, out here in San Diego. So we moved out and I just kind of started, uh, like, uh, emailing like Chris Ryle at the time. It was kind of easy to find, it was a little easier to find contacts online and stuff like that. And people weren't as reluctant to reply at the time. (laughs) Nowadays, it's, nowadays it's a little it's got to be much harder. Like, um, so I got in contact with him and did an internship, uh, with Andy Schmidt and, uh, yeah. And then just kind of got pulled over to the production end, which is where I probably belong. So (laughs) were you more interested in the art end of it or, uh, with under Andy, it was, it was an editorial internship, which the guy after me, you probably know is Bobby Curno. Yeah, so, I've interviewed him a couple times. Yeah, he he took over after me. Um and 
I was a designer and more on the art side. So I started doing, I was doing a little bit of everything at the company at the time mm. for free. So everyone wanted free hands. So, <laughs> and eventually just kind of got pulled over more into the design end of things. You know, uh, and getting on to Turtles. Uh, well, what were your gigs uh, at IDW before Turtles? Because uh, I know you did a couple, right? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Transformers stuff. Sure. Um, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Doctor Who. I'm trying to think of all the licenses. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm not credited on doing like production work. Um, there's some, some, uh, some things where I would change my name so that it wouldn't be on certain projects. <laughs> <laughs> um, Name so, yeah, you know, a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the licensed stuff uh, that IDW was doing at the time. Very cool. Now, getting out of Turtles, uh, so you start with issue two. Did you know you were going to be the regular ongoing? Was it like a trial thing? Like, how did you find yourself? No, basically, um, I wanted to work on it. So, like, when at the time we just like the editors would just kind of drop off balloon guides. And so I just started taking them and working on the book. What are balloon guides? Uh, it's basically like, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really use them a whole lot now since, you know, I'm like hundred and some issues in the weeds, but when there's like newer characters and stuff like that, it helps to have guides. Uh, it's basically just the page and the editor will kind of draw real quick, draw up like the balloons of who's talking and who's who. Okay. Early on in a series, it's normally pretty helpful when you have new characters and stuff like that. Is it part so, of the script or a separate thing? Uh, yeah, they're working off the script. So they oh, just okay. drop real quick. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, so I just started working on it. Uh, no one really asked or <laughs> anything like that. I just kind of imposed myself on the situation. Now, I mean, I, I feel like lettering is one of those things that's probably... Uh, underappreciated in comics um i don't know would you mind like explaining the process a little bit like where does it fall in the the you know the the assembly line process of comic books like uh you are like dead last dead last okay i mean you're kind of working you i mean ideally you're working off the inks so while the same time the colorist is working you're working on lettering um when you're up against the crunch, you know, you're working off thumbnails or really loose pencils and then adjusting as the art kind of comes in, finalize. Um, but yeah, other than uh, whoever's uh, shipping it off to the printer, you're kind of the last guy handling all the files. Okay. Now, I would love to hear, like, if there's, um, I don't know, like, do's and don'ts of lettering, like, Obviously, like it, it doesn't have like you can't have too many words, right? But like, is there more to it than that that people might not appreciate? Yeah, I mean, oh man, we could we could go on all day. Sure, um, yeah, I, I would recommend. I got the uh, next six hours free for this. <laughs> Nate Picos made a book. Uh, what is it? the Essential Guide to Comic Book Lettering? Okay. Um, if you really want to get in the weeds, he does a really great job. Um, I would say. A lot of people get really strict about things and uh, 
since you are last in that process, going back to your previous question, you make a lot of compromises on your on your rules. Okay. Of like there's things that are always uh you're always gonna change things and they're always gonna I mean, you have to make it work. Like no one's redrawing anything for you at that point, you know. Sure. What are some uh, rules like that like sometimes need to bending? Uh the classic oh, bending. Um no, I'm or just in general. Like, what are the rules? It's more well, like the, the, the classic rules are like uh, no cross or using cross by our eyes for like possessive. Like, I am doing something that first I would need to be a crossbar eye. Whereas, like, oh, if okay. you're writing the word doing, it would be like without the without the crossbars. That's just a space. Probably the most noticeable. Um, that's just oh, a man. space. Or is there more to it than that? What's that? Oh, that's just, yeah, that's just like a capital I usually. No, but I mean, like, is the reason why that's done is as, as a space saver or is there more to it than that? I think it's more so to just identify that it's a possessive I and not an L. Sure. Because there's no context around it. So it could just look like a typo as well. Got it. Um, and, oh man, it, there's so many that it, like doing this for so long, a lot of this stuff is just like you don't think about it. Just yeah. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of a second nature, so it's hard on to <laughs> think of on a spot. Um, but I, you know, the, there's tons of rules. Nate's book is a great place to start for anyone that's looking to get into it. Um, yeah, <laughs> God, the rules. So be... Our work is is digital. Like it's it's not. Is it? I work digitally for lettering, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because I know some people like are you know still proponents of like hand, but I, I imagine very few people do it like that at all anymore, right? Uh, not a lot. I, I think some people do for special projects, um, but with the timelines you're normally working with, it's really not feasible for for a lot of comics nowadays. Like, yeah, <laughs> the hand lettering stuff is very, very much more time consuming. Sure. And then it comes down to, you know, getting an editorial pass, getting a licensor pass, like all the corrections and stuff you'll do. Oh, sure. Uh, the proofreader at IDW, man, you hate to open up that PDF. She, She's amazing, but geez, oh, Pete's, dude, you don't want to... <laughs> That that is uh that's something you dread is opening up her PDF. Because of the corrections? Yeah, so yeah, the, there'll be a ton and you're like, man. <laughs> like at some point you would think I would learn a lot of this stuff too, but <laughs> so much uh, so much escapes me still. I mean, um do you ever get like scripts that are like uh um like overloaded where you don't have the space you're saying nobody's gonna redraw anything for you is it up to you then to kind of cram it in and make it work or well option a is to cram it in sure <laughs> option b is for me to you can either make the panel look like a complete disaster so the editorial understands <laughs> what's going on <laughs> Or, uh, you know, you can leave a note and just be like, I, I need some help, guys. Like, help this me out. Here. Sure. Yeah. So all, all three work. <laughs> sure. Um, 
yeah, that's, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would love to hear, I mean, you know, you've worked on Turtles the entire run. Do you have some favorite stories and storylines that still stick out to you over that past? I mean, how many years has it been now? Oh my God. Uh, has it been like 10 years? Something like that? Yeah, I guess the lines, I guess it started in, because it started just before the 2012 cartoon. So I think 2011. Yeah, so a little over 10 years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked, uh, I love City Fall. That's probably my favorite. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mateus is amazing. I think I, I loved all the characters. It had, you know, I loved all like the, I loved all the street level stuff going on. Um, and you know, the Savat and all that stuff, all the different gangs and stuff like that. That stuff's really fun. I did love, uh, the arc leading up to 100. That was a lot of fun as well. Sure. Um, man, there, there's a lot, geez, the, <laughs> I could just go on like pretty much any major arc. I was kind of, I would get into, uh, I love the one, you know, with the neutrinos and you it's know, crazy that. to me that the neutrinos were probably the lamest character in that old cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that's that's yeah hell of an impressive thing. Because those characters are truly terrible in the original cartoon. I think, I think that's what's great about Turtles is that it's so you know, it's that idea of kitsch where it's like you it's not something you can kind of half ass, you know, like kitsch you kind of gotta really lean into and just get stupid with it and i think that's why i like <laughs> the neutrinos sure. ace duck makes a big predict like appearance in those ones too which i love yes yeah yeah that character's great. never really had any stories it's just a duck wearing a coat yeah. and like this <laughs> I, I don't think they expand on him too much more <laughs> i think there's still a lot to uh i think there's still a lot to work on with him sure. uh, but yeah, it's fun to see all those characters and stuff. It was cool. And I, I think there were a number of artists uh, that were working on that one, too. Like Chris Johnson worked on that. I think Mateus contributed. Um, man, off the head, off the top of my head, the, I don't know. Everyone did a great job. Tom as always, does a great job with the scripts and stuff. Do you work most closely with the writer, the like the, the artists, both? Like, how, how does it work with um, your when i'm dealing with an artist it's normally when there's an issue with the art so it's not a whole lot um okay. it's just trying to help fix something on the back end is normally when i'm dealing with them directly at least the way idw works um so most of the time like I, I know Tom obviously so when i have questions i can go to Tom directly but normally i don't normally everything's kind of cycling through the editor for most projects. Okay. It makes sense. Editor is kind of putting everything in the right direction with what, where it needs to go and stuff like that. They're, they're a big relay thing, which I, I don't think a lot of people really understand an editor's job in comics. Like it's, it's an insane job because it's like five different jobs. Um, so props to all the editors I've had, you guys do a great job. Yeah, I spoke to Bobby a little bit about it. I think it's, it, it, like I I feel like I understand it a little bit because I, I I'm a writer. I report to an editor for the magazine I work for, but like I think that prior to having done that, 
you kind of don't appreciate how much they are like that. I mean, I don't know if traffic cop is too general, like a cliche, but it's like they really are the one kind of putting all the shit together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they're project managers, essentially. But that also requires them to still. I mean, like the project management part is almost separate from the editorial part. Yeah. Now, so they still have to do that on top of uh, <laughs> managing, you know, the the complete projects. So specific skill set, it really is. Yeah, yeah, it takes a lot, and it's it's funny. It's funny seeing because everyone's a little bit different as well. Uh, everyone's got their quirks, um, so it's funny how it's kind of tweaked with each editor and how everyone's a little bit different and mm-hmm. and things flow a little bit differently. So it's always kind of interesting to see how people work was it much different for was it much of a change for you when the writer switched from tom to sophie no no mostly because bobby kind of kept things rolling kind of his um and sophie um i think sophie had a lot of leeway going in or or at least she you know she had a good idea what she was going to do so um things i thought went pretty smoothly oh yeah and you're coming off a major arc so it's you know it's essentially kind of like you gotta you're, you're starting with like the denouement you know you're you're starting with the end of the story and everything's kind of cooling down so things don't have to be insane right away and you're just you know like she's she just started building the whole mutant town and everything right away um which was cool to see the um uh i'm interviewing them later today and i feel like uh, both of them together later today and it was like it was such a great continuation of the story that tom told but also like a totally new interesting direction like they've done a nice job in that series of keeping things fresh and new ideas and just it's been such a great run so yeah yeah it's really interesting i mean th- there are like stark stark differences between sophie and tom like the way they write oh yeah um Sophie obviously is an extremely visual thinker, being a great artist. Um, so things kind of kind of get a little more cinematic, um, and and I think I think she wants to uh, just kind of explain more through image. Hmm. Uh, she likes the, there's a lot of silent panels and stuff like that, which I like. Uh, obviously, because I do nothing. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, as a person, I like those as well. I like things when kind of you, you have to just drop off because in a, in a comic, when you're reading a lot of times, you know, you, you don't stop to really take in the art a lot of times. You know, you can cruise through it. Yeah. Cruise through a comic really fast and you're not fully appreciating what it what the art form actually is. And I think when you do things like that, it forces you to really stop and you have to, yeah, you have to analyze, you know, this character and what they're feeling and stuff like that, instead of cruising onto the next panel and whatever they're saying with a kind of a quick glance. And it's a visual medium first, like, yes. Yeah. Like it still is like, even, even with like the writer kind of leading the way story-wise, like it's like, it's still a visual yeah yeah i mean if you take out my job um you know 
technically the artist should be able to tell the whole story without me. Mm. <laughs> Don't do that. We won't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> the um here's a question for you. When when letters get like weird or like um like when it's like sound effects or something, do you do that or does the artist do that? Who does that? Uh it depends on the artist. Okay. Um, and some artists are good at it and some artists are really bad at it. Uh, <laughs> so I, sometimes I'm really happy to take over for them. Sure. Uh, was one uh, offhand. Th there is one uh, that Mateus did. I think it was like uh, Dark Leo busting through some glass and he just did the whole sound effect. It's, you know, made out of the broken glass and stuff like that's awesome. That's cool. Sure. I'm not I'm not going to have the time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh dave wachter also did uh, a lot of his own sound effects sophie does a lot of her sound effects you know she'll leave she'll leave some scraps for me i think um and Can you tell uh, you what to put in for that like yeah that's in the script it'll okay. be which it's always funny to read just seeing a sure like <laughs> or whatever someone's interpretation paper, of something like, is. Like shock shows up more yeah <laughs> and it, it like sometimes I'm kind of like sometimes it doesn't really translate with the art and so I'm kind of like what and and it may not be like a very uh detailed description in the script so I'm kind of like I don't know what's making this sound man I don't know how to make it look I don't know where it goes <laughs> but uh you know you find that out during the editorial process Here's a, like, I feel like that's such a like, I, I feel like it's one of those things that almost feels like an older part of comics that's still around. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you think that that like? I don't know what my question is, but like, you you might not think that would be in comics still, right? um it seems like an essential part. It's, it's like I, I don't and i don't think it's a bad thing i'm just saying like i think it's like it's an interesting part of the medium that has kind of stood the test of time but maybe it's become subtler than it was back in earlier well, it's a lot cheaper than uh paying for voice actors for every that's issue true. yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah i think that's uh that's to my benefit so <laughs> I don't it is uh it is just kind of classically like it is part of comics you know it's just yeah. kind of, it's part of the art in its own way which you know I'm I'm trying not to cover too much but I'm also you know I'm trying to make it work within those boundaries um yeah the, I mean personally I like to I like to, I, I like to pop the art over. I like to think of the the balloons as like actual 3D objects within that world. So when someone's talking like there is like this balloon there. So there is they have some depth within the panel. So I try to pop things over balloons that are in the foreground and stuff like that or like kind of fade it out if it's like behind some smoke or something like that if that's doable. Oh, that's cool. Like you know, was, uh, Spider Verse did that a little bit in that. Yes. First yeah. One. That's a cool way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, it's a fun way, and it gives it gives the balloons some dimension, so they're not just always just kind of smack dab right on top of everything. Sure. Um, 
causes some issues when you're trying to fit things around like certain angles of things but you know that's the that's the fun part of the job i think the problem solving so that's a question for you too it's like how how do you know like when you've got like this awesome piece of artwork or especially like a splash page where it's so like we're so like i don't know when you're doing a really piece of artwork are you like sometimes worried or careful about i mean must always be about where balloon placement goes it must be i mean i'm sure that's the whole thing right yeah i mean you're just you're mostly thinking about reading order um and oh my god there's nothing more frustrating when that's (laughs) fucked up it is yeah it it is the most and it it, it barely happens anymore but i mean like I, i remember there's a couple old turtle issues back way long like back in the like you know the the archie days or whatever where once in a while a balloon would be like oh no i'm supposed to like you're not supposed to think about it right like ever which balloon? no i mean ideally which is it's it's a compliment and an insult to where it's it's always you know it's like oh good good lettering you won't notice and it's like great so like the best i can do is like you not caring at all about the best i can be is completely (laughs) yeah I feel great about that. <laughs> exactly. I can be ignored on my best day. <laughs> I hope my gravestone is lettered with that. Uh, like, yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows? There's someone to letter it. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like reading order, you know, top to bottom, left to right. Yeah. Um, occasionally, you got to bail out an artist if the panels aren't kind of reading the right way and you got to try to overlap panels in a funky way with balloons and stuff like hey read this first please um stuff like that As i think sometimes you must do some more extra work when it's the the spreads across two pages right spreads can be hard spreads are sometimes hard for me to like before i start working i have to really kind of focus like about like what's going on um i guess sure. that's when guides come in handy but <laughs> um but yeah, they, they can be difficult, especially when they're they're kind of bleeding through. Uh, you, you know, you're trying to figure out if the artist is doing like, are you doing all your stuff on this left page or are you doing all the stuff on this right page? Or is this top part stretching across both pages and then, the you know, the bottom part across both pages, like in and how that all reads. So just trying to work within those boundaries. Sure. And if you have questions, you go to the editor, not the uh, the writer. Yeah, yeah. yeah or artist, yeah. I guess. Sure. Yep. Um, let's see here. You know, I think that covers it. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else that you wanted to? Oh, you know, do you have any favorite of the mini series and side issues that you've done? Because you've done so many of those too. I personally love Bebop and Rocksteady Destroy Everything. Those are oh uh, yeah, that, they, so good storytelling. <laughs> Lord, they are insane. Yeah, uh, especially when they had like sixty artists work out, or was it like thirty artists or something work on the oh, one series? The was that one. when they? That was the time travel one. Um, that that was ridiculous, but yeah, those are fun. I mean, what are you gonna do? It's bebop and rock steady, you know. Like again, it's like just be get stupid with it. Like have fun with the medium. It's turtles. Like there's, like you said, you know, like. <laughs> issue five they were in another dimension so like what are the rules for this there's there's really nothing like stopping you from doing anything um 
yeah, Bebop and Rocksteady were rad. Um, I thought that the Casey and April book was really interesting because it was kind of a complete split from everything. And you're kind of doing this uh, kind of semi-romantic slice of life series. Sure. Which was a cool departure. Yeah. Um, that was fun. Uh, I had fun designing the trade on that one too. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll end up just naming them all, but Mutanimals are always fun. I love that crew. Did you do Secret History of the Foot Clan? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, how could I forget? Like, <laughs> the question I have yeah. for you does your job change much? So, like, Bebop Rock said the Mutanimals was more light and comedic. You were just yes. talking April and Casey were more like romantic slice of life stuff. In Secret History of the Foot Clan, it's dark and, you know. Oh, dark. yeah. Like, does your job change at all when the genre changes? Yeah. Um, I think I'm more inclined to... When it gets... When you're when you're dealing with lighter stuff, you're more inclined to, do, to be maybe a little more cartoony with things. Like, uh, when they were doing the Battle of the Band stuff uh, during Sophie's run. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like a lot of the balloon stuff I got to do with that. There was like the wrestling stuff. So I got to kind of get crazy with some of like the names and kind of just making logos for people essentially. Um, oh, you uh, get to do that stuff, not the artist. No, I was doing that on that book. So like oh, when they cool. had the Casey Jones name and stuff and I, add, you know, adding the hockey stick from the Y and stuff. And Oh, nice. Uh, you know, like the the crab legs to that other character's name, <laughs> stuff like that. Like uh, yeah, that that stuff's all kind of light, so it's kind of fun, and you get kind of crazy with it. Um, uh, Michelangelo, whenever he's talking to uh, Renette, you know, adding putting things in like a heart shape or something like that. Um, yeah, so it does depend on the mood. Um, and, and that depends on kind of like, personally, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but you know, you're trying to, you're trying to make the look of the sound match kind of what's going on. And that, that seems obvious, but <laughs> like when you're thinking of like broken glass, you want, you want like type your type to have like sharper edges and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You want points and stuff like that. Whereas if someone's like, you know, just dropping like a stone in the water um, and you just hear like a ploop or something like that, you'll do something like rounder, a little more subtle. Bubbly. Uh, yeah. Bubbly kind of stuff sure. like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I mean that's some basic stuff. I don't think I'm a gee, I don't think I'm the first person to think of this stuff. Like, <laughs> but you know, the, those are just the thoughts that you're going through whenever you're working on a book. Well, it's but, an yeah. interesting question of like, like how does something purely auditory look? Exactly. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, and that's it's interesting. Once again, like you know, you have five different people do it and you're going to get five different things, you know, five different looks, which is also cool. Sure. And, you know, when you bring in other people like that, seeing other people's interpretations. Speaking of the genre changes, is there a, a preferred 
one that you like? Like, do you enjoy comedies best? Do you like the more dramatic stuff? What What do you prefer? You know, um, I mean, when I don't, when I grew up, growing up, I was like big on superhero stuff. I was like an X Men kid, like a Claremont X Men kid. You know? Oh, nice. Sure. Um, and so all that stuff when I was younger. As I get older, I, you know, I buy a lot more indie books. Um, and more. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would love to get back into X Men. So <laughs> I might. I read, I read X Men in the. I went back and visited the Claremont era, but I got into comics because of well, I kind of got like I grew up with the Turtles and read some comics, kind of whatever. But I got really into comics in the early two thousands because of X Men. Like I loved. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. And like, I I only fell out of it because like it reached a point where like there was like I literally had to get six books a month just to keep <laughs> up with the story because it was X-Men yeah limited. It was gold. It wasn't the gold blue. It was like Uncanny was one book. X Men was another book. Wolverine was another book. Yeah, and I was like I I I couldn't keep up, so I just stopped. Yeah, but I, I uh, kind of there's a part of me that wants to go back and be like, oh, because I love Nightcrawler, I love Beast, I love these characters, but I I don't think I ever will because it's just too too much. I even got rid I of did, old X-Men comics recently. I did read, uh, I was picking up, uh, what was it, the all-new X-Men that uh, Stuart Eminem was working on. Um, that. that was, was that a while ago now. <laughs> they had all the black suits? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think that's when I fell out. I was like, oh, I don't like, I mean, maybe I was, I don't know what it was. That, that something about that run, I was like, oh, and there's, what was it, Cassandra, who was the, who was the, female who's the sister of professor x and she was a fetus or something um you know what i'm talking about <laughs> vaguely i can't yeah, think of it. like you did some weird shit in that run i was like ah this is losing me i think that's about <laughs> what i felt <laughs> yeah but that's where i grew up and like uh yeah. i'm trying to think like the last thing the last couple of things i read were uh um what was it? Uh, Forest Hills. Uh, oh my God! It was Dave Baker and uh, Nicole Goo. I think is how you say your last name. Uh, Forest Hills Bootleg Society. I read, which is kind of like a tween type book. It's pretty funny. It's actually, it's a book that is. There's some parts where I actually did chuckle, which is hard to do in comics. Comedy is really hard to do. Yeah. I, I feel like that about uh, switching back to um, Bebop and Rocksteady. I feel like that was a book that made me effectively laugh several times. But comedy is harder in comics. I wonder why that is. Yeah. Maybe it's a timing thing, right? Comedy's so time. Yeah, like you're reading it not necessarily at the pace that the writer wants you to read it. Yeah, you're always picking up on. You're not going to pick up on every inflection, like how how something should be said. So it's it's hard to do. Um, I mean, I, I grew up reading like the flame and carrot too and stuff. So I loved, <laughs> I, I love like stupid things like that as well. So, um, not that the flame and carrot's stupid, but just like the idea about, it. Oh, I mean, stupid isn't like the stupid isn't funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, that Paris book, uh, was also excellent too. That's one I read recently as well. I don't know. We're good. <laughs> Sorry. No, not at all. My brain working overtime in the background there. 
You know, I think my last question for you is, and I ask this of everybody, is who's your favorite turtle and why? Uh, you know, growing up, um, it would have been Raph. I mean, of course, you know, you're a kid, so you're just like, who's this moron that just, you know, runs in the front door on, you know, every situation. Sure. Then I think I kind of, you know, I, I do like the Leo uh cyclops characters i know they get nagged <laughs> because they're boring but they're they're boring so that everyone else can act like a fool essentially can do their own thing you know they're like the responsible character and that's that kind of that kind of brings its own uh kind of brings the, its own issues upon that character but nowadays uh i think i'm a mike guy yeah yeah, I just that's like Mikey is like a life goal now is just to not give a crap and just play video games and eat pizza. Is that's not pretty I, good. I, do, so. <laughs> I think I think those Leo characters are only boring when it's like, I mean, I don't know the way Tom writes them. Uh, the way I don't know if you saw the new movie. If you were a fan of that, yeah, uh, it's great. Love. Yeah, that. and it was a you know mostly a Leo story, which I yeah. thought was awesome and hard to do. Like Raph. Raph is almost like the easiest one to drive a story off of because he's the most dramatic, right? Yeah. But like telling an effective Leo story, which that movie was, and Tom has done many of them. It's like the characters, like the weight of the world is on their shoulders, which can be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be responsible for everyone else, you know, because yeah. they're not. Yeah. Um, one thing I did not realize until I was like in my 20s was that anyone's favorite turtle was donatello i did not <laughs> I was gonna say you you <laughs> turtle is any turtle but donatello <laughs> i i did not know that my uh, favorite since i was a kid okay maybe Never maybe, it's a shot, maybe it's a shot at me maybe just because i'm dumb and i <laughs> cannot relate to that guy like i i, I can't have a theory too about I, I i will say this like when i was a kid there weren't many donny fans i was always a donatello oh. Because I was a nerdy I, kid. And he's got the lamest weapon. He's got the lamest weapon. He's, I mean, like, uh, you, you know, it, it, not everybody loves purple as their favorite color. He's yeah. nerd, right? Like, so he was like, and I mean, maybe we're in an era now where nerd is more of a compliment, but like, yes, it's, I, I think too, like, I think more adult fans are Donnie. Like, I think a disproportionate amount of Donnie fans, adults now are Donnie fans. And I think the reason why <laughs> this might, this is my weird theory is that like the people who identified with rafts and Mikey's like kind of grew up, whereas the Donatello people stayed nerds and stayed yeah. with the franchise. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> That's my, the, my book, the bookish fandom. Yeah. Them. The, you know, the, the rafts yeah. would have been the kids who love Raf as a kid would be too cool to still have their old playmates toys as an, as an adult. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, man, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I, this was a, a pleasure. Thank you, and keep up the work. And you know, we'll uh, we'll keep reading. So thanks, thanks for doing no, this. I appreciate it, man. And uh, congratulations on your least downloaded episode. You did it. <laughs> I, no, there, I, I, there, well, there, I, there's, there'll be others. This this will be on the. No, uh, uh, this will be bottoming out the Apple charts. No, I, I, I look forward to proving you wrong on that eventually. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Take care, man. Thanks so much for doing it. Right. Later. Bye.